Welcome to the HTW Podcast, where your hosts, Erica Huss and Zoe Sakutis, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We stepped away from the juicer and into the sound studio to talk about this rapidly evolving world of wellness. We'll sit down with wellness experts and entrepreneurs for candid conversations and tales from the trenches, how they got their start, how they turned their ailments into ideas, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll bring you news, updates, and our unsolicited opinions on everything we discover in sickness and in wealth. Located at the intersection of wellness and business, H2W is your navigator on the bumpy highway to well. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Thank you. So we're getting ready. We're going to go on a great trip on Sunday. I'm so excited. We can't wait to go to LA especially when it's cold in New York, but generally it's just really fun to go to LA and it's funner to go to LA with you. I know. And we get to do things like uh, wake up in the morning and not make breakfast for children. It's crazy. We used to spend so much time out there with like blueprint days when we had our facility out there and we were, you know, potentially maybe going to do a store, which like, that's like a whole other episode. We kind of started it. If anyone's wondering, the almost blueprint retail shop was going to be where the now Warby Parker store is on Abikini. And don't forget that before the Almost Blueprint shop in the Warby Parker location, there was an Almost Blueprint shop down the block on Abikini. We actually had two different uh, Abikini experiments where we got as far as painting a huge blue wall. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then we were like, oh, there's a better space down the block. And then I laid on the ground and you just like painted my outline of a dead body. (laughs) I can't even remember what's there now, but I think it's like a little, it might be like CBD, like a dispensary or something. I don't know. We're going to go find out next week though, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. We're going to go and chat with some West Coasters and we're going to do some episodes on the left side because, you know, it's hard to do these, these um, interviews over the phone. We're just, we're not having it. The energy is low. We can't have low energy. It lacks magic. I can't work like that. No, I cannot. So we need to be in person making eye contact, having conversation, like real human. So much better. Yeah. As actual, again, like we like to say, it's actual social media where it's a media form and we're socializing and all it is is talking. That's what social media really is. It's kind of groundbreaking. You can post that shit. (laughs) We've got some amazing founders of businesses. We are talking to uh, the founders of Bonafide Provisions, an awesome broth company. We are talking to GT Dave, the one, the only the founder of the iconic kombucha synergy brand. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. He's responsible for my my very very mild buzz during pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> it really got me over the hump. Just that little bit of alcohol on the in the kombucha on the off days. On the off days, you know, when I wasn't <laughs> wine uh, compared to the high amounts of alcohol. <laughs> Just. <laughs> So, and then we're going to meet with, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. It's going to be really fun. I'm excited. And it's actually a nice segue because it really harkens back to those early days where, you know, everything was a learning. And I think that our interview with Ben McCain of Hungry Boot was really, it was like a nice trip down memory lane for us because he has had some amazing learnings over the course of his building his incredible brand. This is definitely like, this is like a founder's founder episode. Like this is like an amazing founder story. Yeah, this is like, okay. So for those of you who want to know the inner workings of not just Hungry Root, but the two 
earlier businesses that Ben created, which were really genius and kind of, he was just too early. We know what that's like. Yeah. So he gets into it and he's had some missteps just like we did, just like everybody does. He's had some missteps. He's had some two steps. So Hungry Root, again, just for a little bit of explanation, is this amazing uh, home delivery meal kit. They started with spiralized vegetables and then they really carefully and very carefully, as we learn, as you know, from our conversation with him, uh, segued into a much larger, broader uh, space where there's everything from like desserts and snacks. It's all plant-based. Their whole goal is to really kind of like swap out the ratio on your plate between meat and veg and really like make vegetables kind of the hero. And if you are a meat eater, then, you know, you add a little bit, but that's not the whole point. It's really just like a plant focused meal. It's super easy. They're like seven minutes to prepare and they just have had a really interesting run. And I think it really, it was like, it reminded us, I mean, of all like, what? So if you could think of one moment during Blueprint where it was like, oh, Duh. And like the light bulb was just like, it didn't really go on so much as it just kind of cracked over your head. And it was kind of that like WTF moment in the business. I mean, I feel like there's so many. There's so many. But Ben, so Ben Hungry had, you know, he had a, he had a moment that was quite, it was pretty big too. He had to actually shut down for six months, but he lives to tell and um, his business is now crushing it. They're great. We love Ben. He's just like a lovely human being. I feel like he's like, He's who everybody, you know, he's who you want to bring home to mom. He's just like, he's that guy. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And he's, I'm pretty sure in his next career, he's going to run for president. I think he should. I would vote for him. Yeah. Let's get this show on the road. Okay, let's do it. Welcome, Ben McCain, founder and CEO of Hungry Root. Founder of Hungry Root. Do you have a preference? Founder and CEO is great. Founder and CEO of Hungry Root, which is delicious. Yeah, it's delicious and nutritious. And I am a customer and I plan on continuing my subscription. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. That I should have brought some food. Uh, yeah, hello. I know. I was like, please let there be black bean brownie oh, batter. See, and I'm gunning Damn. for cookie dough. On that train. is like crack. That yeah, shit maybe is... we just need to start yeah. this all over with cookies. You... Yeah. <laughs> let's do it again. And this time let's pronounce your name. McKean. McKean. Like everyone else. Like everyone else in the world, except that that's yeah. not your name. Let's just make it a public announcement. Now it's not McKean. It's McCain. Fair. Back to the cookie dough for one second. I know we'll get into it, but do people actually make cookies out of it or they really just eat it off the Yeah. Do yeah. you have statistics we, on that? We have vague statistics on it, but we would say probably half of people bake it and baking it is, it's delicious. We actually encourage people to bake really? it. Really? Yeah, okay, just like to clarify. So good. This is like this amazing plant-based, well, the whole olive hunger is all plant-based, right? But this is a cookie dough that you can either eat literally out of the tub, raw, quote unquote, it's not like there's any raw egg in there or anything, or you can take the recommendation and make actual cookies and just bake with it. Yeah. And I think you could do an interesting social experiment with it, kind of like the marshmallow test. <laughs> totally. And you could see, this will be sort of like a predictor later in life of maybe like the children who are going to be more likely to like become president or like the high achievers are the ones who bake the cookie. I like it. We're already into ideas. This is great. And I'm already a failure because I cannot oh, I'm get a out of the package without digging a spoon into it. I just dig it right out of the tub. I eat the cookie dough raw. Yeah, it's 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 one of our most popular products. And I'm it's sure. essentially blended chickpeas, blended almond butter, and chocolate chips. It's redonk. Also, I feel like the first of its kind, and I've seen some knockoffs out there, and nothing is nearly as good as the Hungry Root. Well, thank you for that. Dough. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. 
applause. <laughs> and I could go for some right now. I've been eating a lot of sugar this morning. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Bill. My my voice is a little deeper this morning. I was out late last night. I went to go see Depeche Mode. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I just woke up in 1991. What I'm happened? sorry. What? Yeah. So I'm going to be hitting the, the, the cookie dough later tonight. Okay, good. My sugar fix. So, Ben. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you um, for having me. You're welcome. We're happy to have you. You've done amazing things with this business. We've known you from early days, yeah. launch days of the business yeah. and seen it grow and expand and, you know, kind of turn and take some funky ups and downs. And we want to hear all about it. Lots of funky ups and downs. <laughs> um, what is the beginning? Like, what's the beginning of Hunger Root? And before that, what was your beginning? How did you land there? I've always been an entrepreneur. This is my third company, and I started my first one in college. How old are you? Can I ask? Uh, 32. <laughs> oh, my God. Nuh-uh. Yeah, so I started my first one in college, and I just totally fell in love with it. It was, um, I got a bunch of college students to block off times in their calendar when they were willing to do basic, low-skilled work. So moving, painting, landscaping, babysitting, anything, mm-hmm. and uh, marketed that to consumers. This was 2004. And just totally fell in love with the concept of having a team and having a business. Uh, and that was that was my first one. Wait, so that was like an early... TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit, right? Yeah, I actually remember when TaskRabbit launched and it was sent to me from a friend because I was like, considering... <laughs> after college, I was actually considering trying to launch this sort of digitally. It was all very manual o- offline. Right. And TaskRabbit was sent to me by a friend and they said, oh, shit, man. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was a little disappointing. Oh, that's a bummer. But then I spent uh, two years in investment banking. Where uh, were you? in Merrill Lynch. Okay. And that was because my two older brothers were both in investment banking and they told me that I didn't know anything about business and that uh, that would be the best way to learn about business. So I, f- I followed their advice. And are they are they business owners now or are they still in they're both still in finance okay they're both uh, are them. you the are you the youngest of three i am youngest of three boys all right wow i yeah. followed them to georgetown for college they both went there and then i followed them into investment banking yeah, they wow. trained you well they, yep. really they basically just made you their oh man <laughs> little brother <laughs> <laughs> i saw where you're going with that and i think you chose the right word yeah no i actually uh very much owe a lot to them they were they were great so I spent two years in investment banking. I learned a ton, but I realized I just really wanted to start another company. And I left to start a company called Savored, which was yield management technology for restaurants. So we oh, helped okay. restaurants lower prices if they had empty tables and increase prices if they had excess demand. Wow. We what does that mean? Like, What's an example? So the easiest way to think about it, it's, it's the most common way that people purchase airline tickets and hotel rooms is the price is going to vary depending on when you go. But in the restaurant industry, even still today, you're going and paying the same price typically on a Saturday night if it's really busy as on a Tuesday night if there's empty tables. And so we built this reservation platform where, where consumers could make reservations through our site and if there were a bunch of empty tables, they would actually get a discount automatically taken off their bill. And if they wanted to get a last minute Saturday night table, they could pay us $50, $100 to get that. That's kind of amazing. That's I mean, it's not dissimilar to what happened with kind of like the Resi and Reserve where you were paying a little extra for a peak yeah, time. Yeah, but... exactly. So this was 2009 to 2012. So this was sort of pre-Resi and, mm-hmm. and Reserve. Um, being ahead of the fold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was a inter- really interesting time because... 
essentially, so this was the time that Groupon was becoming mm-hmm. this huge company. Mm-hmm. And one of the common threads actually that has continued into Hungroot is Savored was sort of at the periphery of this daily deal craze. Mm-hmm. And we were totally different from a daily deal site. But for a consumer, you did get a discount off your bill by using our reservation platform. So we sort of were put into this, the periphery of this daily deal market. And what that meant on the positive side was it was very easy to raise venture capital because mm-hmm. the daily deal market was just blowing right, up. Right, right. And so uh, we raised a bunch of venture capital and um, we built the business really quickly. But then Groupon went public and didn't do well. So within about six months of going public, they really weren't doing well. And that meant that we couldn't raise more capital. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up selling the business to Groupon. Mm -hmm. um, Good for you. uh, In 2012. So is it, were people sort of suspicious? Like the kind of suspicious, you know, when you hear like half off discount sushi? Yeah. Yeah. It was so... Man, I, I actually, we could just spend this whole time talking about Savored. Um, <laughs> right, we will. And it I actually promise, was, I it actually, I mean, it was food. Um, yeah. And that was, that's what led me to hunger. But the biggest takeaway was, so our discount application at the restaurant was discreet. It, it would automatically come out at the end on your bill. You didn't have to present a coupon. Mm-hmm. And that was actually what really separated us where high-end restaurants didn't want people whipping out a coupon because then the right. table next feels like it's a cheap place. Right. And Who wants to be the consumer? That and no one wants to be the yeah. consumer. Nobody right? wants to be on a date with that guy. Exactly. That's for sure. Well, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's amazing how many people want a 20, 30% discount on a date. So that right. was actually a really common um, use case. And then even if you're going out with your wife or, or your husband, you don't really want to feel like you're whipping on a discount. Right, right. right. So, um, so that ended up really helping to kind of separate us from a daily deal feel. Yeah, that's really smart. I mean, it's funny because everybody wants a discount on their food in the supermarket. There's no problem with that. But the moment you're seated, you know, seated at a table and having like a fine dining right. experience, the whole thing is cheapened if you're just like, you know, doing a little math and like saving a little money. I mean, right. you also, you're, if your server knows that you have a yes. significant discount, they're not going to typically serve you in the same way. Because oh, I remember that working in restaurants and stuff where you know the people that are coming in with their like, you know, their, their little, coupon from yeah. wherever it is, open table right. or someplace else. And it like, just kind of feels like, yeah, 20%. They're cruising. Tip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if they make up for it and then some on the tip, then everybody wins. But you can't yeah. know until the end either. So that was, I, I mean, I loved that business so much, but we made, we made it a lot of mistakes. We did, we did, you know, a good amount what was the biggest right? mis- what was the biggest mistake you made? The biggest mistake was we felt like we had to move really quickly and that it was kind of a land grab. Mm-hmm. And so we prioritized the wrong metrics. The mm-hmm. most important metric for the business, and this is this is what we looked at internally, this is what our investors looked at, was how much revenue are people spending on our platform, meaning at our restaurants, not how much revenue is actually being taken by by Savored uh, as our fee. Mm -hmm. And so we had great, very high revenue numbers at our restaurants, but our take was very small Mm -hmm. and you can't build a profitable business that way. Um, So I think we prioritize sort of growth Mm -hmm. um, without laying the right foundation. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you applied those lessons successfully in your next venture with Hungry Root? I think it took some time Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's the case now mm-hmm. with Hungry. And I think that, well, maybe I'll, I'll yeah. give the kind of story into Hungry because otherwise it uh, may not make sense. But yeah, so yeah, we could start off with 
What is Hungry Fruit? Yeah. Let's start with, you came to this town with a spiralizer and a dream. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I just potato. fell in love with spiralized <laughs> vegetables. So Hungry Root started as, after Savored was sold to Groupon, I knew I wanted to start another company. But I wanted to start it for the right reasons. And so I spent much more time, rather than sort of looking for an idea, I spent time thinking about core principles that were really important to me that sort of had to be true. I pretty much came up with one, which was I really wanted to create a brand and customer experience that would connect with people emotionally. And the reason for that is just I feel like everything is easier and better about businesses where they connect with people fundamentally on an emotional level. It's easier to be more personally motivated. It's easier to attract really great people to work with you. Your customers are more loyal. They talk about your brand more. So that was the singular thing that I focused on. And then I looked at sort of, well, where, what industries does that exist in? Fashion is interesting. You know, people wear their clothes with a lot of pride. It's sort of a statement of who you are. Food is just the most inherently emotional purchase and consumption experience there is. It literally, you're putting the product into your body. It's pretty intimate. It's extremely intimate. Yeah. It's, which is amazing. It's it's so scary, also, right? P- people, well, right? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of trust involved, right? <laughs> and I mean, the potential for downside or error is enormous. You really you can't screw up. So the whole kind of uh, lean startup approach doesn't work in food from an actual food production perspective. But that really attracted me because I felt like if we could create foods that really just m- made people feel better, mm-hmm. right? And to me, food is emotional on so many levels. It's it's it literally is chemically impacts your emotions, whether you feel lethargic or energized, whether you sleep well or don't sleep well. It also impacts how you view yourself, right? Like I I regret the mm-hmm. cheeseburger last night mm-hmm. or I feel really good about myself right now because I'm sticking to this, you know, this diet. I feel disciplined. Oh, I regret something <laughs> in the past 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the great thing is that everyone like everyone knows that feeling, right? Like mm-hmm. you... It's um, universal. Yeah. So that is super exciting to me because if you can do you it You want to well, play with people's emotions, basically. Is what we want to improve. <laughs> we, want to, we want to help people improve their emotions. And we honestly, we, one of the things that we do believe is, and we've seen this with our customers, is a lot of people actually don't realize that they could be feeling better on a day-to-day basis than they right. do currently. And so we get a lot of customers who say, I actually did not know that I wasn't feeling great. Right. Uh, and now that's that always I, the best feedback, I think. Yeah. I didn't know how bad I felt until I started good. feeling good. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. It must be actually very similar to Blueprint. Absolutely. Uh, you know, no yeah. question. Yeah. And I think what's similar too is that it's so easy to make that switch, right? So it's it's a universal feeling and it's also so immediately accessible. Like to your point, Zoe, like you have regrets about things that you consumed last night and today you already, <laughs> you already have a chance to kind of do it over. And so with Blueprint, you just, you know, mm-hmm. you grab a juice and you're automatically feeling better with something like Hungry Root, like, okay, I had a crappy cheeseburger last night. So tonight I'm going to, you know, make myself feel so much better by eating plant food and mm-hmm. all that. So what, so what are the ingredients in Hungry Root? Like what are the base? Well, the concept was not. Everything is plant centric and everything is clean ingredients and nutritionally dense. So the way we look at it is we want to make it as easy as possible for people to eat healthy. The reason it's difficult to eat healthy today, there's a number of reasons. So we try to sort of solve each of these. One is it's actually just fundamentally difficult to know what to do with healthy foods. 
So if you walk into your grocery store, for the vast majority of people, if you pick up a sweet potato, there's not an obvious thing of what you're going to do with that sweet potato to make it taste great. That's easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and same thing with um, healthy sauces, healthy desserts. So one of the things we do is only foods that are offered on on hungroot.com are plant-centric, clean ingredients, nutrient-dense. And then what we do is we pair them with other foods that go well together. So we one example is we have these sweet potato ribbons that is, again, an example of you buy sweet potato ribbons the vast majority of people are not going to know what sauce to put with it or what. Or even how, what to do with it. Like I have this ribbon it. now. Am I right. cooking it? Am I what, like what? It's, so ribbon meaning just like it's been through a spiralizer and it's like this beautiful Alfredo pasta or flat pasta kind of ex- right. shape. Exactly. And so we pair that with a sauce that goes well with it and a protein that goes well, well with it. So you can cook it for five minutes and it's a delicious, exciting meal. And so how did you come up with these sort of flavor profiles and all of these combinations. I mean, that's a yeah. tough one. So we are very focused on being consumer driven. We don't view ourselves as a food company or as a technology company. We view ourselves as a consumer company. And so a lot of it is blogs. Mm-hmm. We look at what, what are interesting recipes that exist online mm-hmm. and how can we go recreate those for consumers. In that, I mean, it's interesting that you chose because this is a very, very saturated, you know, economy right now or, or community with the meal delivery versus you make it yourself and and something already prepared. So how did you kind of decide, OK, this is something that you're going to play a role in actually preparing your food and it's not just going to be something that's grab and go and ready to come to you in a box? Yeah. So we talk about that a lot. And, and that's something we've really struggled with it is so today most people would refer to Hungry Root still as either a meal kit or a vegan meal delivery service. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't view ourselves as that at all. And one of the things we're doing internally is really spending a lot of time on, well, if that's not what we are, then, then, you know, what is it that we want someone to, to describe us as? And I think that the meal kit space and the meal delivery space have become so big and so saturated that tying this back to kind of how Savored was tying, tied into a daily deal with Groupon, same thing has happened for us at Hungroot. One of the differences is simply the cooking experience. So a meal kit is typically sort of 30, 45 minutes. What they're doing is they're giving you this exciting recipe with all the ingredients to make it a home-cooked experience. Mm-hmm. We're not about that. Our foods are all ready to eat in under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But we're also not ready to eat. And ready to Except eat- Except for the cookie dough. Except for the cookie dough, all of our um, so actually Maybe that's a great, that's a great clarification, which is our meals right. are not ready to eat, right. but our our desserts and snacks snacks yeah. are right. And so just to clarify, like an example, you know, so meal kit means like Blue Apron, plated those services where it's like all the pieces, it's like getting you know, it's like IKEA, it's like you're yeah. going to assemble this from scratch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And meal delivery means Sakara. Um, Ready to eat, yeah. packaged. I yes. mean, Provenance, Nutrisystem, yeah. um, something that's very prescriptive. So here's sort of the foods. Typically, there's an objective with a meal delivery service. Right, it's, it's often a program. It's often a program or a diet. What we're giving you is essentially simple to make uh, groceries. You're and kind people of in the can, middle, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of where... Yeah, right. which I think we is are. cool. It's a great yeah. space to occupy because it, I think it empowers people who are intimidated by their kitchen and like the people who keep, you know, they use the stove, the oven to store their laundry and yeah. the people who know that they want something healthy and they don't know where to start. But then also people, you know, like ourselves who understand what it is to 
like spiralized vegetables are fucking delicious, but it's kind of annoying to have, you know, if you don't own a spiralizer, then you're already limited in terms of how many ways you can enjoy like a rutabaga. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the problem, or, or, you know, not problem, it's the difference between a plated and blue apron. And what you're doing is that, you know, if I order blue apron or plated, you know, it's great for some people. It's not for me because I don't want 30 ingredients to make like the sauce that's going to go on the thing. Just like, just do me that one solid. <laughs> Give me the sauce. And then let me like have, you know, create some magic where I feel like I'm right. assembling or throwing it together. And I'm just going to throw the sauce on that pasta and like add those few toppings. So yeah. that's, that's exactly right, which is it is in the middle. The reason that you would choose the hunger experience over a meal kit is uh, the ease. Uh, so you don't, you're not making something from scratch. And so it's, you know, 10 minutes or less versus 30, 45 minutes. The reason you would choose it over a ready to eat meal program is the flexibility and the yep. feeling that you're, you're making it mm -hmm. right. There is a satisfaction of, even if it takes five minutes, you throw it on your stove. That's a freshly made meal that you made. And that's pretty powerful. And yeah. it just, it, it's always going to taste better than something that's been prepared the day before yeah. or whatever. Um, and I freely admit that I enjoy, you know, I, I kind of riff, like I get the stuff from Hungry Root and then I'm like, I don't need those sprinkles because I've got my own, you know, yeah. like nut mix or whatever it's going to be. And I add stuff to your sauces because I just, my own palate, like there are certain ways that I want something to taste. That's yeah. awesome. Cause that's, that's, that's kind of exactly what, that's what we're going for. So that's great to hear. You weren't doing anything wrong. Okay? <laughs> no, you weren't I doing was, anything I was going to call the helpline and say, is it okay if I add some lemon zest? Okay, sometimes I add extra oil. Um, so this is a, you know, groundbreaking notion that it's about to come out of my mouth. But like, I bet this really appeals to guys. It does appeal to guys, but guys are not the purchaser, which is, which really? is interesting. And that I, is interesting. At, at least today. Yeah. Come on, we're the ladies buy everything. They buy well, the food. I know, but the women I feel are like the something household. Like this is kind of it's occupying that sort of you know middle of the Venn diagram, and I feel like especially with the protein offerings and all that. And I don't. So it's so it's so funny you mention that. So I'm a guy. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we can tell. And I, and I love hunger. Besides the fact that I you know invented founded it, it <laughs> but my wife and I get it every single week, and it's perfect for me personally because. I would not know what to do walking through a grocery store with, uh, first of all, the concept of walking through a grocery store scares me because there's 40,000 items. And it's like how I feel about Ikea and Costco. <laughs> I never, I can't no. have total panic attack breakdown in aisle three. Right. And, but in, so if I happen to, which actually happens if I get dragged by my wife to the grocery store, walking through it, then have no idea what to do with the things that I would buy. So it solves that pain point. And I think that that's a pain point that potentially guys associate more with i'm just picturing you like in the aisle in pain <laughs> like doubled over like this is so painful <gasps> what's that over there what's that over there oh God, so i could spend hours in i know i love hours. oh my yeah, god i, I find it, it very just, painful like, study everything <laughs> yeah, i don't enjoy it at all so this is for you okay so let's talk about this and it's probably i don't know how much you want to talk about it but it's a thing right so we're talking about grocery stores a, what is going to happen to grocery stores because they are, it's an endangered species, uh, you know, with all the sort of direct-to-consumer meal delivery systems. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's scary to think about. B, what are we going to do about all this packaging? The packaging is an issue. Maybe I'll start there. So the packaging, we use the most eco-friendly packaging on the market. Everything's recyclable. It looks like a lot. And part of the issue is that not everyone recycles it. It's an issue. And I think that 
there's already been tremendous innovation there. I mean, five years ago, the crazy thing about how food, fresh food was delivered to people at least, well, certainly 10 years ago was it was primarily styrofoam. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was because the largest industry shipping packages that needed to be refrigerated or frozen was pharmaceuticals. And the people receiving the box were corporations. So the consumer wasn't getting this box and sort of like, oh my God, it's, you know, styrofoam. So actually the meal kit industry, which was the first time that, because things like Fresh Direct always existed, but that was at a time frame where it wasn't delivered in a box sort of through, you know, FedEx. Mm -hmm. The meal kit industry- And it's local. Exactly. And which which facilitates the ability to just ship it in a refrigerated truck. The meal kit industry- was the, really the first time that people were consumers were getting boxes sent to their home that had to be kept cold. And it started with styrofoam. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but when we first started shipping with Hunger, we shipped with styrofoam. Yeah. Well, yeah. why? Because we were shipping food 10 years ago and juice across the country, and we were shipping it in airliners. Right. We never used packs. We used the sort of lip, you know, it's sealed on the top. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those airliners? I'm sure you do. Uh, that... Describe it a little more. So it is like a soft, it almost feels like a bubble. You know, you can sort of crumple it up and throw it in the garbage. And now they have compostable ones. But it was through a company called like Parachip. And they worked in tandem with FedEx. And we would basically fill this airliner with ice packs. So that is what is the most common today. Yeah. You, you were way ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, which is great. That's what's most common today, and it's gotten much better where it is now. Almost all of it is recyclable. That was not the norm in the past. Back to Hungry Root. The company grew really quickly. We have grown very quickly. Yeah, let me think about where to even start with this journey. I mean, what was always most important to me was building this brand that could connect with people emotionally. Healthy food made easy felt like a really compelling way to do that. And so we launched the business with six products, all seven-minute meals based around vegetable noodles, fresh vegetable noodles. So we literally did have these big spiralizers in a Queens facility with a staff spiralizing a ton of vegetables by hand, semi-automatic, I guess. And we would pair the fresh-cut vegetable noodles with unique sauces and proteins. And then we would package it and it was a seven-minute fresh meal uh, that you would cook on your stovetop. That's how we launched the business. What we learned very quickly, definitely within the first year, was direct-to-consumer food brand is not going to work with only six products. It could work for a short amount of time while you have the novelty. So someone says, oh, I really want to try these vegetable noodles. I'm going to go to hungroot.com and, and buy vegetable noodles. But it's a race against time because at some point, those are going to show up in the grocery store or on Amazon. And it's much easier to just put it in your cart along with tons of other items. Well, and if they're going to be, if you're looking for customer retention, then they need more variety. Right, right. Period. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, and that. There's a reason that people don't go to Chobani.com to buy Chobani. They put it in their grocery cart and whether that's at Whole Foods or at Amazon, it's just much more convenient. But if you have wide product breadth, then the online experience can actually be significantly more convenient than offline. Mm -hmm. So we started launching new products in September of 2015. And the first, one of the first ones was our cookie dough. 
Oh, I, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> the cookie dough was, uh, it was, it really changed the business because people stopped looking at us as just a veg- vegetable noodle mm-hmm. company as sort of more of this concept of, of quick and easy, healthy foods. And the cookie dough has always just been a huge hit. I mean, it's, it's really delicious. It's, I think you should just change your name to Cookie Dough. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Cookie Dough. Well, Call I it what think it is. It, it, what it symbolizes is actually just as important as how delicious it is, which is that there is, you know, there's variety here. There is, you know, if you want to call it permission or maybe something that's slightly less, you know, severe, but it's the opportunity to actually, you know, enjoy and indulge. And it's not about guilt. It's mm-hmm. just about having better options. Exactly. It's not about being on a diet. It's about eating foods that make you feel great. And healthy cookie dough makes you feel great. Totally. And you have a great stat on your site that is, um, I think it's like 6% of Americans get the recommended allowance of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Only just, 6% of Americans. It's absurd. That is insane. Are, are they all toddlers? I mean, like what is going <laughs> And it's like the fiber is like less than 1%. I mean, it's ridiculous how, how poorly people will eat just because they're not thinking yeah. intentionally. So yeah. you are doing God's work. Well, thank I you. Think. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I believe I don't know if we would say that ourselves, but uh, we're cookie dough. Okay, here's how we're going to rebrand it. <laughs> the name is going to go from Hunger to Cookie Dough, and the tagline is just going to be God's work. God's God's work. God's work. I, this is great. I'm going to go back to the team this afternoon. Awesome. Everything's going to change. <laughs> I'm glad I could be a part of it. Um, okay, so 2015. Within the first year, we said we need to launch significant more products, and we went from six products to 30 in 18 months. That's a lot of R&D. It was a lot of R&D. It was a lot of training in the facility. So we had, we were, all of this was being manufactured in-house. We had a facility in Queens. Um, at one point, we had about 75 staff in the facility. Mm-hmm. By launching more products, the business started to grow really nicely. Repeat customer rates were just, it was essentially perfectly correlated. So we went from six products to 12 products. Our repeat customer rates doubled. 12 to 24 products, they doubled again. And um, we found ourselves with sort of a real, a real sized company. But the challenge was we had 75 people in this tiny place in Queens, New York, and we were trying to do so many different things. We were still spiralizing vegetables. <laughs> uh, we never grew out of spiralizing vegetables. And, but we were also blending sauces. We were baking items. We were creating juices. It was, it was not going to be something that you could scale. And um, one of my biggest concerns with that was you can't screw up in food. Right? Mm-hmm. You cannot no, screw you up cannot. in food. You don't get a second chance. And so there's a reason that most food companies are really good at one, one product, mm-hmm. right? You know, Blueprint was really good at juice. Chobani is really good at Greek yogurt. And if they, if they get to the size that they start to do more, it's typically a very close derivative, mm-hmm. right? Like smoothies, like yogurt smoothies. What our customers wanted from us was products across this entire spectrum. Right. And what we realized was we can't support that ourselves. So we actually shut the business down in March of 2017 for six months. I mean, <laughs> Crazy. That, like, what was the night before that announcement went out? Like... So wait, could we just con- give a little context there? Okay, so you've been in business. Your business is growing. It's like doubling. It's doing very well. You have a significant staff. You have a mm-hmm. lot of people on the payroll. You have a facility that you've paid for, right? I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a tremendous business in sales. I mean, you're, you guys are doing very well. 
so you've got this insane momentum and you've got everyone's attention and you've got everyone talking about you and you have to make this like very difficult decision around quality and a long view. Mm -hmm. So you're really looking ahead. So there were a couple things that made the decision easier. One was we had just raised a round of venture capital funding from incredible investors who were very supportive of the long-term view and wanted us to prioritize long-term view over the short term. So that helped tremendously. We taking a six-month pause was not going to place the company at significant financial risk. The second thing that made it easier was we had grown really quickly and we had a really strong sort of core user base. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't proud enough of the customer experience. There were two things. One is customers wanted us to go from 30 to 60 products. And there was just no way we were going to be able to. So we were going to let them down on those expectations. Mm -hmm. And then we would dream up all of these really great, exciting new products that would have been such great hits with customers. And we just fundamentally were, would, were not able to launch them. And so it just... Because you were limited by space, by... I would... Well, so space was solvable. We did look at just simply getting a larger facility. Mm -hmm. It was actually... We were limited by the complexity of our operation. Too many moving pieces. Too many moving pieces. Too many things that you have to be specialized Mm -hmm. and really good at. And it's very different to to correctly bake items to than to blend. But I think that this is such a testament to you and your capabilities and the team that you worked with to be able to actually recognize that. It's a very humbling moment to say, you know what, we're doing things super well, but we're actually not doing them well enough. And whatever glory we have in this moment today is going to be kind of diluted when we let people down, like you said, you know, down the road. So, I mean, that's, like, congratulations to you for actually yes. having the confidence and the the real stability to say, like, I, this is a huge sacrifice, but I know that it's for the right reasons. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think we had a really great team that played a critical role in making the decision and really great investors also. Yeah. So your investors were really supportive. Obviously, that helps, yeah, right? That helps I mean, if you don't have the... the <laughs> That could be very upsetting if you don't have them. And were they the ones who kind of suggested this? Or did you sort of arrive at this on your own and say, aha, we arrived at it uh, as a as a senior team on our own. And I presented two options to the investors and asked them for feedback on the two options. Mm -hmm. They said that they thought that we should prioritize long term over short term. That answered the question. Mm Yeah. I mean, again, it's like you can't screw up in food and you have to make sure that it's sustainable and you are looking out and, you know, like, you know, we saw we had this issue too with Blueprint, which was just like, ah, what keeps you up at night? That's the only thing that keeps you up at night. Right. Is it like capacity? It's sort of like all these operational things, which are very complicated. And then it's also just like for us, it was a lot about just quality assurance and making sure that this is like the cleanest right. juice anyone is ever go- is, will touch anyone's lips. Fresh products. Right. Awesome. So we, you know, and that was like the HPP thing. So it, was, yeah. it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of courage. So hats off. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. At the end of the day, our customers made the decision for us also in the sense that the whole premise of Hungroot has always been that food companies are not close enough to the customer. The vast majority of food companies sell through a grocery store to the end consumer. And so they don't even know who the end consumer, they can't touch them and and talk to them on a daily basis. And that's always been the premise. And so if we're going to take and sort of, you know, really in the ethos, say we're a customer first company, 
if our customers are asking for something that we feel like we're we're just kind of never going to be able to do, it kind of frames the the question differently. I want to call it humble root. I like this story is just so it's so inspiring, and it really. I mean, even just going back to what you said earlier, I just so appreciate that. I think a lot of people get into, you know, the food business or the wellness business because it looks like an easy way to kind of just like this is a very start something. low barrier entry, it's right? It's a low barrier I mean, entry. And they're a blender. And right. The, and there whatever. are so many six sto- stories of wild success out there. And interestingly, like you didn't go into it with your own kind of wellness story saying like, oh, I was really sick. And then I started eating better. And then I wanted to make a life out of it. You actually went in saying like, how can I impact people? How can I change people's lives? Oh, well, this is, I I don't know. I just, I I didn't even actually go into it because of food. Right, right. I went into it because of opportunity to create a brand experience that could connect with people emotionally. But you didn't go into it with dollar signs in your eyes either. So that's, that's kind of what I definitely did not do that. I mean, but come on, let's be real. Nobody really goes into business just not having that in mind at all. I mean, you're like, oh, there's a market, there's right. an opportunity oh, well, here. Th- no, that's that's fair. There uh, is but, an opportunity. But I mean, I, I would think, love to think. Well, I think that the reasons that I started my previous company was di- very different than the Right, yeah, and I and, see, I sense that, right? It's like definitely a very, one is very sort of mechanical and removed from the, the end user. And this is, like you said, it is a very intimate exchange and there is a lot of trust involved in that. One of the things that we do at Hungroot is we, and this is actually crazy even saying this, that it, that not every food company does this, but we have our Facebook reviews public. So if you search for various food companies on Facebook, they hide their, their reviews so you can't actually find them. And the reason for that is because Facebook's an outlet for people to typically complain. We put ours public. And the reason we do that is because one of our company values is being transparent. And so we feel like that's, how can we hide it if we're, if that's a company value, but that is, that's scary, right? If you, so if if we, if we, if we disappoint people, we will find out very quickly, very publicly in some ways that's scary. In other ways, it's sort of, it just raises the bar. Well, and it gives you an opportunity to correct immediately. Mm -hmm. So assuming that the, 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 you know, the feedback is, is substantial and it's actually able to be addressed and it's not somebody that just wants to complain and be heard, then that gives you an immediate opportunity to course correct. Yeah. You have to address it. Yeah. Yeah. Public humiliation. (laughs) Everyone try it if you want to make changes in your life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That is amazing. So could I just ask, what did you do for that when you were shut down? pivoting. What did you do with all those employees? Well, so the vast majority of the employees were through a contractor service. So they weren't actually hungry employees. And they were like sub, you know, 70 out of the 75 in the facility. Wow. So they actually were able to be placed into new jobs. They were, you know, I hate this word, but but the the technical term is temp workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other five, we helped them find new positions, but we didn't, um, the other five that were sort of in the, the leadership position in the facility, yeah. um, but we didn't have a facility anymore. And our whole model of working with suppliers had changed drastically. So the skills weren't transferable. Essentially, what we now have is we have this network of suppliers. And so we have to manage that network and make sure they're up to our, our standards but we're not actually in the facility producing food. We are relying on established, specialized companies that have been around for decades that are large companies to make the food on our behalf. So how many products are you offering now? We now have about 75. Okay. And what's the most popular? Uh, Actually, well, so the cookie, I was going to say the cookie dough, it's actually our black bean brownie batter, which is 
very similar. One and two, right no, here. That is babe. one and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, black bean uh, brownie batter. It's uh, not easy to say. Black bean brownie batter. So what is the price point? What, and then also, where can I find this? I mean, obviously, you're direct to consumer and you get this at your door. Yeah, so hungry.com is where you can find it. We are expecting to launch the cookie dough and the brownie batter in retail. Nice. In retail, okay. Yeah. So you could also go into a, a physical store. Physical sc- a store. They do still uh, exist. Uh, exciting. Yeah, so we used to sell our cookie dough and our brownie batter in Whole Foods. When we switched our supplier, when we when we moved from baking it ourselves to a new supplier, we came out of Whole Foods to focus on that transition. But the plan is to go back into retail with those two items. Besides that, we're planning on being just direct-to-consumer. And big expansion plans for the company. I mean, more SKUs coming out and changing things up every so often. Yeah, well, this is great timing to be here because we're... Do you have news? I Well, actually, no, that might not have been the best lead-in. <laughs> <laughs> the reason it's great timing to be here is we're at a stage where we are really thinking about what does the company look like in sort of three to five years, which is the first time, I mean, as you know, it always feels like, where's the company going to be in three to six months? Right. And we're now looking much further out. What we've always believed is that if you can create healthy food that's easy, you can really fundamentally make people feel better. What we've now changed about the business through the change in our supply chain, which happened in the summer of last year. So we, we came out of that transition in September of 2017. What that changed for us is the ability to very rapidly increase the number of products that we offer. So we've gone from 30 to 75 and we plan to go to 250 to 1000 wow. to to several thousand and the reason for that is we now partner with companies who are who are specialized and who are doing the manufacturing and so what our job is is to understand what consumers want and then to go partner with companies that can make it what that means is and what it creates an opportunity for is to present different items to to different people so what you see may not be the same as what I see. And what at the end of the day, what we're offering the customer is the easiest way to eat healthy. And so a big part of that is understanding, do you have any dietary restrictions? So if you are nut-free or vegan or gluten-free, you fundamentally, we should never show you an item that... Uh, that would make us emotional and upset. Right, yeah. Because we can't have it. Yeah. We're adding work to you. If we make you search through an assortment. Parse through it, yeah. And But there's so many different dimensions of that. There's, do you have any objectives in how you're trying to eat? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you just trying to enjoy your food? Who are you ordering for? And and, and sort of what share of your wallet do you want us to support? So are you, do you never want to go to the grocery store again? Or do you just want to have this be supplemental? So you really want this to be sort of the go-to every day, like kind of the Amazon of anything presented that you can just either eat immediately or cook very quickly and eat? I mean, I I view Hungerood as a platform for healthy, simple to make foods and a curated platform in the sense that we're not going to offer, you know, Amazon is all about assortment and huge product variety and price. That's not what we're all about. We're about, uh, we have certain, we have a philosophy in terms of what what does healthy mean? We're only going to offer foods that meet that definition. That means plant-centric, nutrient-dense, clean ingredients. And we define that more clearly, but I'm not going to go into no, no, too no. much detail. <laughs> yeah. And it means simple to prepare, which means under 10 minutes. Um, we're only going to offer those types of foods. And then we make it very easy to know what to eat with what. So if we give you cauliflower rice, 
we're going to, we're also going to give you a sauce that we think goes well with it and a protein that we think goes well with that sauce. And then we're going to understand, do you like that item? And if you don't like that item, we're not going to give it to you again. Mm-hmm. So it's a very personalized experience. Super. It's great. I wish like, you know, if I'm at a restaurant and the waiter comes over and like, let me tell you about the specials today. And before he starts rattling off like eight Everything different... with tomatoes and almonds in it. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> do tomatoes. I can't do almonds. I don't like eggplant. Um, let me also tell you that I don't eat meat except for fish. Um, and I'm not today eating dairy. Now go. Right. Now, what are your specials? Yeah, now give me your algorithm. That would be great. That's what we're trying to do. Maybe you could blend that with your last company and then restaurants will give you a reservation based on your diet. Maybe that's going to apply to restaurants. uh, (laughs) I mean, we do do think that that there's people have a sort of nutritional profile and we want to understand that nutritional profile. Yeah, it's very cool. I love it. I'm excited. No, I, I am too. But we don't like the word personalization. So if there's oh, any geez, ideas about what, failed. what, that's one of the things we're debating Customized is bespoke. <laughs> bespoke. I fucking hate that word. Sorry. <laughs> bespoke hardwood floors. It's like LV wood. It's the only time. God, I listen to too much NPR. Um, but why don't you like the word? It just feels. Uh, it feels overused and incorrectly used. Yeah. So. There's a lot of of companies that will say we're uh, we give you a personalized experience, and what they mean by that is is customized, mm-hmm. which means you can go right and individualized. Yes, yeah, you can but, go choose. So, so you prefer custom, customized? No, so customized. To, so we've always offered a customized experience, which is we we curate a box for you. And then you can go in and change it yourself if you if you'd like to, and you know replace this item with this item. That's customized. That means mm-hmm. that the customer has to go in and do the work, and that's not what we want. We 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 think that personalized means we understand your preferences, your profile. And we do it for you. Mm-hmm. And hey, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Like we will introduce items into your box that you don't like, but then if you don't like it, you let us know, and we will get it. We'll we'll get better over time. It's taking the work away from from the customer. That's really important to us. Okay, but what is the word? I know. It's, it's not like, personalized. It's not customized. I'm hoping what that, is it? I'm hoping that either the two of you or someone listening out there... All right, we're going to come up with that. It should be a contest. All right. It's like submit your best... Ad, is it an adjective? I guess it's an adjective, right? Mm-hmm. That would be a describing yeah. word. <laughs> First, choose your grammatical term. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to work on that. In the meantime, it's time for our favorite question. I feel like it's a two-part question, and I already know one answer, which means that you can't actually give that answer. Uh-oh. Um, which is... Who- well, I don't know what the answer is. Well, yeah, but you don't get to answer. You, you're going to know the answer as soon as I ask the two-part question. Okay. Which is, who is at your fantasy dinner party, and what are you serving? And the only thing you're not allowed to serve is cookie dough. Oh, man. Well, now I'm going to have to take a minute to think about this. <laughs> So this is my. This may be a little bit of a strange answer. Nah, no strange answers. No. So well, or maybe even a not interesting answer. No disclaimers. Let's give, uh, Come on, no pressure here. I need to give the explanation. So, okay. well, first off, it would very much be my wife. She would be oh. number one. You're so. Ca- are you running for president? <laughs> you are very cautious. <laughs> he is definitely sticking to the talking points. <laughs> and then honestly, well, I think. Like intimate dinner is would be our preference, so small group. To me, one of the most inspiring people is Barack Obama. Oh, yes. I just think that I his, told you he was running for president. I'm like this reeks. <laughs> yeah, of I'm just uh, twenty like fifty. <laughs> Obama McCain. Hey, yeah. I know. So, I guess him and Michelle. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you have to invite her. 
if you're going to invite him. Oh, of course. Okay. And like, let's just put a table extension in it. Like put a leaf in the table. Let's add two more people. I want to build out this dinner party. I know. It's a party. I love how intimate it is. But now let's throw in a few wild cards. Oh, wow. Wait, is this... Uh, Dead or alive? Dead? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, this is actually just a hint because I, Erica, and I would like to come. Rock <laughs> and Michelle just, are there. just two. Well, now I'm going to go uh, away from the, pe- the politically correct stuff and not say the two of you. Okay. So the two of you are not invited. All right. Then I'm not going to run your campaign. Right. Forget we can, it. We can make cocktails at least. Um, <laughs> have you seen the show about Albert Einstein? Um, with Jeff Joffrey. Yes, I started watching it. I, yes. I I think that he would be so. Jeffrey Joffrey Rush. Uh, you no, want Jeffrey Rush or Al- the oh. actual Albert Einstein? Uh, oh, oh, the real Einstein. So it's like yeah. dinner for dummies, basically. <laughs> okay, well, well, got the food. You got the food. Yeah, I've got. All right, what, all right, you got? what is it? It's really great assortment of pizzas, Ooh. of all different kinds of pizzas. Ooh, yum! Yeah. Pizza party. Wasn't that that game you were obsessed with? I love that game. Pizza when I was party. Little. With two boots dough. Oh. Oh, it, it, ha- it has a little cornmeal yes, crusty exactly. things yeah. on the bottom. Yeah. You are a very busy man. How do you incorporate, like, what is your sort of wellness practice? What is your, like, ritual or daily practice that you try to fold in? Eating healthy is obviously number one. And sleep. I think that... Um, there's a there's a book I read about a year ago, Why We Sleep, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yes, kind of fascinating. You got to clean that brain. I've re- I've read about the book yeah. and about the concept. It's great, and uh, it made me prioritize getting seven or more hours of sleep. Uh, and I really noticed that. I noticed um, not drinking a huge amount of alcohol. I noticed that. I actually noticed not drinking a huge amount of coffee, mm-hmm. even though I've got this big coffee big coffee next to me. So, and then exercise. I mean, Wait, what does not drinking coffee do do for you? So this week, I've woken up twice at 4 a.m. Mm. Yeah, because you were, were those coffee. coffee days? No. no. No? Oh, you mean to start your day? Yeah, I just woke oh, up just naturally, like naturally at 4 a.m. And you were just ready to go? Just ready to go. Jesus. And I swear that's because I have not been drinking much coffee this week. Wow. I think that... Uh, but now, were you going to bed at like 8 p.m.? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, a little later. All right. You know, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. there's no show. No I, go to bed. I go to bed by like 9.30. Yeah. kidding me? No I got to be on the next day. I got to like <laughs> screaming. I mean, I, I think listening Children. to podcasts like this. Awesome. Ah, very totally meditative, correct. isn't yes. it? It's so yeah. soothing. Mm-hmm. Our voices are so melodious. Um, and what is your kind of fitness? Like, what do you do for exercise? So we recently moved next to near in Equinox. You know, Equinox was one of those brands that I did not expect to like, and the I love it. I have actually become a like big fan, a really big fan. Um, even their app experience is awesome. Their classes have totally changed getting exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much yeah, better. They're doing things right for sure. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. People yeah, can find fun. you at www.hungryroot.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I hope people try it out. Yes. Thank you, Ben McCain. McCain. Thank you. McCain Obama, 2026. (laughs) I'll get started on that. (laughs) Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number. 
at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>